Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every NARS? Every scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special show, a couple guests we haven't had on for a while, and I'm trying to remember the last movie we did, but it's good to see you it again. Follows, yeah. Oh, It Follows, yeah, that's it right. Follows time, yeah. yeah, that was like one of our very first episodes, that was really early on. Yeah. It was, I remember. Yeah, It was awesome. so fun. <laughs> Gus, Ali, it's great to have you. It's good to talk to you again. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Good. You know, it's uh, it's a beautiful Monday in LA. It's been a bit busy, um, but you know, in a good way. So it all was good. a a frosty uh, like seventy degrees today. You know, uh, yeah. I had to turn on my heater Bridget. this morning. No, that's not. <laughs> well, I did because it was in the forties, but you know, uh, good. Yeah, glad to be back. It's had been been a while had a good excuse to have a movie night this weekend that was yes. pretty fun oh yeah i've been meaning to watch this movie for quite some time yeah. so thank you for the excuse yeah, yeah. we are we were super excited to watch it and we're really excited to talk about it today. yes so thanks yeah. for having us no thanks for joining us and thanks for picking this movie because this is one like i'd heard good things about but i hadn't had a chance to watch it either but yeah yeah yeah, I feel like it was all over Twitter not that long ago, and everyone was talking about it, and I'd seen a bunch of uh, commercials for it, but had not gotten around to watching it, and what a movie! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, before we dive into that, do you guys have, uh, do you want to talk about other stuff you're working on, your, your own podcast, do you want to plug anything? Is there anything sure. you'd like to discuss before we dive into the movie? Sure, yeah, we can, we can, we, well, it, we are, we have a podcast of our own. It's, it's about a very different sort of thing. It's about a series of fantasy novels okay. uh, called The Wheel of Time. And we oh, kind of right. branched out from that into talking about adaptation uh, from, from one medium into another, usually onto screen. Uh, the Wheel of Time had a TV show that we really enjoyed. So we talked about the adaptation process of that. And we are currently working on uh, episodes about the show, The Last of Us. <laughs> on HBO, talking about the adaptation process awesome. yeah. from video game to screen. And we'll likely expand outward, too, to talk about the Rings of Power as Eventually. Well. We're going to get around to it at okay. some point. We, we're halfway through the show. We keep committing to and things, keep, yes. and we need to stop We're very busy, <laughs> but... Uh, but we've paused that effort to do The Last of Us because we were both like, we have to do The Last of Us. Um, so 
uh, having a lot of fun with that. And those episodes should be dropping this week. What right. the first don't promise episodes. that. They'll happen soon. They will happen. <laughs> That's right. This this episode won't come out for a couple months, so <laughs> well, still not necessarily a guarantee. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna theoretically finish recording the first episodes. The key word there is theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> we'll see. We'll work on it. We'll do our best. Well, and so you said you've paused the Wheel of Time because that was my question because there's a lot of those books, oh. right? Or you're still... No, no we, we haven't paused the Wheel of Time. You're paused still working on it. We paused Rings of Power. Gotcha. But we are still reading through the Wheel of Time. I'm a first-time reader. We're on book eight now. Eight of... Uh, well, of, technically nine if you count the prequel, yes. which we have now read, of 14 or 15, depending on how you're counting. But who's counting? Um... <laughs> And then we also did TV show adaptation episodes on the Amazon show as well. Nice. So talk breaking down how, now that I work in TV and film, breaking down how that works from a development perspective, because that's what I do now all the time. <laughs> Read scripts and then send them away with notes and then help package the projects and get them made, hopefully. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. great. So lots of fun. When, when did y'all uh, move out to L.A.? How long have you been out there? We just hit our two-year Yeah, yeah, we've been here for just over two years, oh, wow. which is really wild to Weird. think about. It feels like we just got here. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. But also, Where, like, we've been here from? forever. Sorry? Where are you from? Like, when you moved out there two years ago, where did you move from? We were in Chicago. Weird. Yeah, that's, for, how, for that's how Corey time, and I know each other. Years. Yeah, yeah. Corey and I did improv together back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I met Ali at, at the Second City... I don't know, five years ago, maybe? Something like that? That's wild, but that's probably how long it's been. Yeah. <laughs> um, the pandemic, I feel like, has just been one long year. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that it's been multiple years. <laughs> yeah. I feel like... I feel like it just was like a blink, and then suddenly we're here, we're and going into our year lives four. are completely different than they That's were. True. Yeah. Well, it's weird when I when I stepped back on stage recently for the first time, I was like, "Have I, has it really been three fucking years since I've done this?" Like, it's it's crazy. Like, I I feel like we just graduated from the second city. Time isn't mm -hmm. real. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is real. <laughs> Nothing's true. Or, or as as Matthew McConaughey would say in True Detective, time is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, there you go. That's it. Words of wisdom, <laughs> maybe. Oh, he, he also gave us those words. He was like, "Oh, you know, I, <laughs> I keep getting older, but they keep staying the same age." He also said about the time. same thing. Oh, yeah, that's a worse Matthew McConaughey quote. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Awesome. Well, so we guys, so you brought us uh, 2022's The Menu. So, yes. Yeah. So I just like, uh, you kind of mentioned this already, but I'm kind of curious why you chose this movie and, and kind of your very general high level thoughts about it. I, well, okay. A couple reasons. Like I said, I've seen so many commercials for this and every, here's the thing. When you work in TV and film, you're too busy to actually watch TV or film. Mm. Um, so... <laughs> So, but then, you know, everybody will, will talk to you about things that they are watching that they're really excited about. And it's impossible to watch everything. Mm -hmm. But I kept hearing people go, you haven't seen the menu yet. And, you know, of course, they will make you feel so bad for not seeing it. And so that, <laughs> there was partially that element to it, partially mm -hmm. because I just really enjoy Anya Taylor-Joy mm -hmm. and everything she does. Um, and also, I... I really thought that the twist was cannibalism. 
I, 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 I had thought that I, going into and it And I was as just well. like, sure. Right. <laughs> I'm on board for like a Michelin star restaurant turned cannibalism. Yeah. And this was a Michelin star restaurant turned something different. But either way, the writer really understands Michelin star restaurants. And oh, yeah. We have to talk about it. I, I, I honestly, I feel, I feel like analyzing this film is contrary to the message of the film almost <laughs> I, I you know I, that thought that thought crossed my mind as well yeah <laughs> i feel like if for us to talk about it it's like well then we should be eaten and killed at the end right so you know, <laughs> you know we're the problem <laughs> no you know i actually I, I really thought about that too but then i was like i was like but this i feel like this is more like making a cheeseburger right because 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 brent and i we don't do this you know we've got like maybe 20 people who listen to an episode so it's really I feel like it's coming from a place of love, like like a good yeah. cheeseburger, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm I'm just being yeah. No, no, I'm no. thrilled to talk about it, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I yeah. I had a cheeseburger today, in fact, because of this movie. Did you? I went to In and Out, <laughs> and it was great. Nice. I I didn't know that. That's that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was tasty. I love that from you. Um, <laughs> we all should have just shown up with cheeseburgers and been eating cheeseburgers during this. We should have. Uh, but yeah, I. I was really intrigued by what this would be because it felt like, and I just kept seeing all these tweets about it going, this movie's so different. And I think maybe the cynical part of me was like, how different is it? <laughs> like, how different could it be? You know, we've been telling the same stories over and over again forever. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but also uh, I was just really intrigued by that, by like ev what everyone's buzz. So I was, I really wanted to see it. And um, I was also a little bit nervous at, uh, that it was going to be there's been a lot of like let's do commentaries on wealthy white people lately and some of them I think are really amazing and effective and some of them I'm kind of like coming from a wealthy white person <laughs> like this feels like it's not as self-aware as it wants to be right. and so I was, I was like let's see what that's going to be and I think this hit the self-aware mark really well and I liked that yeah. a lot yeah, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, but let's we want to dive in. Yeah, about oh it? yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I like and I, I like how they. Well, and I read that they got a for the uh, the second unit director is somebody who had worked on Chef's Table. Like they actually got a guy who like what he does is like films food and. <laughs> I started cackling when they did the close ups of the food because oh I God. I'm yeah. someone who loves like ev every chef cooking yeah. everything like i love it to the point where they're gus great. has started to really make fun of like the beats well they're all the shows. same at the end like they're good they're all good but right. many of them especially if gordon ramsay is involved at all who i love the third act of every episode is exactly the same well because because there was just one time where gus walks in and he goes um they they so over dramatize the eliminations like it's always like yeah. oh you know you are so bad at being bad at things. You know, it's just like they'll keep, keep and they keep sketch. putting those right. dang commercial breaks. And I was like, it's not that bad. And then Gordon Ramsay goes, Sam, untie your apron. <laughs> and then it goes to commercial break. And then it comes back and it's like, Sam, untie your apron and tie it tighter. You're safe. <laughs> I just lost my right. mind. Because like Gus had just been saying that that was a thing. And so, like, it was very clear, just even from the shots, that they, like, had at least studied these cooking shows and stuff so well. Because it's just, like, they played with those tropes amazingly. It was, it was so awesome. <laughs> 
I gotta yeah. say when I when I started the movie and I saw on the uh, the HBO blurb screen that it was a satire, I went, I, I thought this was played straight. And I watched it, and I went, it mostly was played straight, but then it wasn't sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Tyler's bullshit, funniest fucking thing I've ever wheeze. seen in my life. Oh yeah, I was wheezing. I was laughing so hard, like yeah. my asthma couldn't handle it <laughs> because that sudden like cut from. <laughs> From those amazing, pristine, beautiful dishes to that. <laughs> yeah, Tyler's bull. <laughs> and I, what I loved to do so much is like, that's so it though. Because I will watch these shows and I'll go like, they shouldn't have grabbed truffle oil. Those idiots. <laughs> like, the, you know, the judges hate that stuff. Right. But I'm like, but especially before the pandemic, my cooking skills were non-existent. Mm. And, you know, you just become this weird fake expert on things it's the same thing once you watch the olympics you know you're like you did a little hop when you're when you go when was the last time i went for a run (laughs) (laughs) so i loved the idea of you know go taking these uh couch critics Mm. who have never really had to put their art and their souls on the line like that and like all right you try it yeah, that was really weirdly cathartic for me yeah. personally because I'll see people on Twitter who have never tried to make a movie being like, "Why didn't they just do this?" And I'm like, "They probably thought of that. Right? <laughs> they probably thought of it. Yeah. There were probably budgetary reasons or eight thousand reasons why they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or maybe executives got involved, or maybe blah 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 blah. And um, you know, it's like these people who have never had to, you know, experience that kind of risk before and and just going, yeah, let's let's see how you do. And I loved that. Yeah. I just, that was delicious to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I love how, you know, applicable this is to it, not just food, but any kind of, any kind of art. But I feel like even broader than that, anything that could even be considered art, you know, any kind, anything that takes, you know, talent and dedication. And, and I, I often come back to this. There's a book I read years ago called Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television. And in the book, he talks about how television has this way of making you feel informed about things without actually having any knowledge or understanding of the, the you know, the nuances of it. And I feel like the Internet has only kind of exacerbated that uh, that tendency, which I I'm kind of getting off track, off topic here, but it's kind. Of, but the internet. No, I don't think so. Well, the, the thing about television is it's it's an inherently passive activity, right? You just turn it on, and it just flows into your eyes. And the infuriating thing about the internet is that it's an it's an it's an inherently active method of gathering information. You have to click on things, you have to seek out information, but we've designed it in such a way that through social media. And it's, it's more like television now where it's passive. You can just like click on an app and just scroll and ingest. And it's, it's taken this thing. That's an inherently active means of gathering information. And we've like, we've forced it into a a passive. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Oh no. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. People, I I read a thing once that said, if you're, if you're a, a person who used to devour whole books in a day, and now instead you scroll TikTok for six hours. It's because you find a you found an easier way to uh, to make your brain go quiet. Right. It's same as, yeah, it's 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 active. It's like reading, but it's found, also just yeah, next, 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 yeah. next. You found your new dopamine hit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I I think I think that's so interesting. And 
just kind of talking about like how you know inherently at the end of the day when you're making art for money Mm -hmm. inherently you are appealing to a particular group of people right you're trying to appeal to like the widest reach and or the people who have the money right right and so you know that inherently can become this very limiting factor where like you know if if someone wants substitutions and they hold the power, mm-hmm. right? If someone wants to change your script and they hold the power, that they get their way just by virtue of the fact that they're they're the benefit that benefactor, yeah, right. And so, uh, so even if you are an artist to the point that this man had gotten to, he's not. He's no longer, in some ways got the agency that he thought that he would get when he's at this top of the pyramid, right? He had more agency, weirdly, as a nobody fry cook than he did as a, a, you know, Michelin restaurant chef um, because all of a sudden the stakes of it are so high and the people that he's trying to serve have so much power that it's like, actually, he has less freedom in a lot of ways. Yeah. Artistically. And at that point, in any, you know, I mean, you you hit a certain point of refinement, for lack of a better term, and that's not a compliment, with (laughs) with any art form, and you are going to eventually reach a point where the returns just become, well, we're not talking about the original point. Mm -hmm. It's it's Nicholas Holt's whole monologue where he talks about, it's like the finest, unbelievable perfection of art. It's like, it it can be, but it's mostly like, as Ray Fiennes said, I'm giving you stuff that's going to turn into shit. Right. Eventually. Like <laughs> right. the point of this is nourishment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apply it to any medium. The point of stories is this, the point of anything is that. You can write the most postmodern literary genius thing ever, and it probably will be, but if you're doing it exclusively for the purpose of or if you have been driven to the point of doing that exclusively for the purpose of acclaim or 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 um just to push the envelope for no reason, but I need recognition for pushing the envelope and everybody wants me to push the envelope. You've lost the plot. Well, it's like, you know, she says, it's just like a bunch of different kinds of foe. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like not feel like it's not a meal. It's just pretension. Like they didn't even get bread at a restaurant. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Like if you are, yeah, if you're creating something um, just for this, you know, the sake of being this, you know, profound, important figure, then all of a sudden, all of the substance actually leaves it, which I think was kind of interesting. And it's all just foam. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and I think, you know, when you get to that level, the level that that he's at, Chef Slowick or whatever his name is, um, you're, you're catering to the kind of person like least likely to actually appreciate it. You know, they're looking for, as in all of these characters, I like how each, each, group of character you know you had the the tech dude bros who were just doing this because they could spend the money you had the you know the kind of over the hill actor who was just didn't even really what he wasn't that interested you had the you know the food critic who i I like how they had and i think that's really where the satire comes in is in those those characters are so exaggerated to the point of like i mean they're they're they stopped just short of cartoonish at times you know what i mean yeah 
Nicholas Holt's same, character especially. Yeah. And at the same time, didn't sometimes they feel so familiar? Like you just kind of knew them. Yeah. Like you yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but <laughs> I there were times where like they would say or do something so painfully awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like trying to manipulate the waitress into getting bread when yeah. she had already said no. And obviously she's not the one that's in charge here. Like yeah. she's not the one to complain to, and yet they're making it her problem. Like mm-hmm. that kind of thing where I just go, ah, it's so, <laughs> it's so familiar. And this, this is, these are the kind of people that have never had to like put their asses on the line for anything and rob you, the person who's putting their ass on the line for them to critique. That's, they're the people who are robbing you of your joy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're <laughs> the ones taking the fun away. And I think they also showcased the lack of appreciation by talking to the regulars and saying, you've been here 11 times. Most people are lucky to even come here once. What's one thing you've eaten? <laughs> right. Just name a one single thing. dish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, this is a restaurant famous for bread. You can't tell me, like, we had bread last time. Like, <laughs> You know, I just, uh, that was, that was wild. And, um, and yet so true, right? These people who are consuming this art, I mean, you know, working, having worked in theater, right? You're creating this ephemeral art form that is made by poor people, usually poorer people, right? Right. Or wealthy people to consume. And like, they'll often want to get messages across, Right that if the donors wouldn't like that, you're not going to do that play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the rich people sit there and they watch your, like, think piece about capitalism, right? And then they leave and they get into their Ubers and they Uber X's and they go home and, they're, and they don't probably think about it again. Right. Yeah. No, that's, and I, you know, I, I, this just occurred to me, uh, how this is kind of relevant, but I went, I went back and saw a show at second city recently. Cause I was like, you know, I haven't been to second city in years. Let me go check out a show. So I went and I was like, yeah, I'll see whatever shows on right now. And it was a, an improvised musical. And she's like, yeah, here you go. Took, gave her my card. She's like, yeah, here's your receipt. It's $35. So I was like, fuck man, $35. Jesus. Okay. $35. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right, whatever. So I went up there and watched the show and it was it was a lot of people who were in town for they seem like you know more affluent people not all of them but but people who probably come in from the suburbs or they were traveling for work or something and they loved the show the show was for them and they enjoyed it right I'm, and I'm not and and that's fine but as another improviser I'm just, I'm just, it just made me think about how like the best improv I'm seeing right now is in these like little hole in the wall you yeah. know clubs that that people don't even really know about. And the last show I saw at second city, just as an improviser who, who has done that, it, man, it was so lazy. It was so, it was so sloppy. It was so late. Like they were totally phoning it in. And I was like, Jesus, man, this is like almost hard to watch at times, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's so interesting because, you know, sometimes you'll, you know, I'm not going to name any particulars, but like sometimes you'll read, books right from writers that you respect or like watch movies from filmmakers that you respect right and you kind of go what happened like what what happened to this movie like you make good stuff right like i you know but they've either like bought into their own hype or the people that surround them 
don't say no to them anymore right. in the same way, right? Like they just let them do what they want because they're a genius. And like nobody is the Anya Taylor-Joy character, right? Margo or Aaron right. um, and goes, your food sucks. I'm hungry I'm still. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's all foam. <laughs> it's yeah. lame. And like, then there's also this element too where like they get so with the upper crust, right? That they no longer do relatable content either. Yeah. Like you kind of will consume it and they'll, they'll, they were once so relatable in the things that they wrote about or did or yeah. whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, they're like, Oh, don't you just hate it when like they have the wrong kind of caviar or whatever yeah. it is. And you just go, no, because I'm a real person. Yeah. I, I represent planet earth actually. And you represent a completely different planet at this point. Right. You don't remember that people are hungry when they come to restaurants and expect to eat. Yeah. Well, that's, you know? and I think about that a lot, especially, you know, and I think that's true of, of all our art forms. You'll find that. But I think, I, you know, I listen to a lot of hip hop and, you know, some of these guys who are like the biggest names in hip hop and they're making millions of dollars and it's been 20 years since they were on the street, you know, and they're rapping. About, and it's like, OK, is, I don't know. Like, when's the last time you had to, like, bust a cap in somebody's ass because they didn't <laughs> like, you know, you're not you're not living that life, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can't decide if it's better or worse to, like lean into the fact that you're not relatable because like right. the, the people who like fake it you know that they're you're like please don't don't pretend like you're one of the people right. anymore you're not it, and that's like all the respect in the world but exactly what you said when's the last time you had to bump, you know <laughs> when's the last time you went to the grocery store right you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i think it's, it's <laughs> i think one of the tricky things is it's 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 tough because Pushing the boundaries of your medium is one thing. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's that's experimenting and trying new things is great. And I think that a lot of what is at the core of a where where where, you know, Ray Fine's character would have would have started out at was that it was like genuinely trying new things. But that's the problem comes when you lose the plot, you lose the yeah. point of what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And that that's the same thing we're talking about. If you're if you're a singer and you have lost the core thing of what you're singing about then you need to either rediscover it or, or figure out how you can push your medium to have a new core yeah if it's just foam there's no core yeah so brett the slowick guy is that how you pronounce his name i think yeah, so, I think so. Slowick, yeah. yeah slowick. he even says it you know he's like he's ostracized almost everyone except for the people that were in the room at the time He's made his 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 restaurant or his food is so exclusive that no one could even afford to have the experience. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think what's so interesting, I've think, been thinking about this a lot recently, and so it was interesting to watch this movie right now. But like, I went to this happiness discussion a while back by a professor in happiness at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking about like you know how people are happy um, and how people remain happy in their lives like especially later in life like how do they look you know how do they look at the summation of their lives and and ultimately are happy and you would think right of course that it would be about success mm -hmm. and he talks about 
how most people think also that they will just get happier as they get older. And he said, as they, you know, achieve the success that in their brains as young people, they think are inevitable mm-hmm. of that success. Um, and he said, it actually has nothing to do with success at all. And actually we find that um, happiness kind of splits off. Like either people dramatically get happier or they dramatically get more unhappy and it has nothing to do with their success. And he said, actually, the reason why I started studying this in the first place is I was sitting on a plane and I was listening to this older man behind me, like talking to his wife about how unhappy he was, right? That he was like, I might as well be dead. Like my life means nothing, all this stuff. And of course he assumed that this must be a man who like really regretted the things in his life, really hadn't accomplished anything. And then he said, and after the flight was over, I was curious. So I turned around to look at who it was. And he said, and I cannot tell you who it was, but he goes, you all know who this actor is. Really? He didn't say actor. He didn't say oh, actor. You, he said, I can't is. say who this is. Every single person in this room knows who this person and is. And he said, and not only that, but the pilot walked out of the cockpit to tell this man what a hero he was to him. Oh, wow. And he goes, and so which is it? Right? Like, and so he said, that's kind of what prompted me to start studying happiness <laughs> and what the nature of that is. And he said, and we found that it's actually the people you know, as you're up on this climb, you know, you're on this hedonistic treadmill where you're always thinking about like, you'll all be so happy the next accomplishment right. that I get, yeah. right? The next like biggest like hurdle is what's going to give me this forever happiness. Well, like, and, and more than that, when you achieve happiness at something, that plateau that you hit happiness at starts dropping because your body gets used to it. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're brain gives you that's the treadmill thing he said if you stop you fall off the end of it right Mm -hmm. so he said um you know it's one of those things where your brain doesn't actually want you to be happy for very long he's Mm, like because out in the wild right if you're just content you die right (laughs) so because you're not thinking about your next meal right so like we're designed to think that way and to be thinking about our next steps and then people will get to what the summation of their life is and there's no next step for them really to reach Right. Right. Or they're, you know, they're at this point in their life where inevitably, right, they're they're taking a step back. They can't keep up with themselves at 20, 30, 40. Mm. And that's when they get miserable because there's just no next hit. There's no next dopamine hit to reach for. Um, And he's like, so as we're like climbing, there's always this new place to climb to. But you have to stop and think to yourself, like appreciate the journey that you've been on. If you're wondering what makes people split off towards happier, it's when they stop frantically trying to live up to the achievements of their youth and instead use their wisdom and experience in a different way, usually by things like teaching right, or, you know, stuff like that. Helping other people achieve their dreams because otherwise you're like... Somebody was listening like, give me the fucking key! Yeah, otherwise... (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) slide! Otherwise you're like a sad old musician that's still like gyrating on stage and everybody's like aren't you done right aren't you done doing that that brings you joy though then yeah like i I, I, want to make sure it doesn't sound like we're like (laughs) and if you're over 50 go fuck yourself no No, because you know what mick jagger listens to this podcast religiously and right now he's (laughs) like what the fuck did they say (laughs) (laughs) but like you know at a certain point it becomes less about like the next stage in the hedonistic treadmill and even throughout your life like it's Less about 
Hedonistic is a different thing. You're right. It is hedonic. <laughs> Whatever. It's a save shit. Different day. Um, Shakespeare made up Mick Jagger's so fucking pissed now. <laughs> Mick Jagger's like, it's hedonic, you idiot. Um, but so, um, yeah, no, but I think, I think it's one of those things where they, they were realizing that the people who could stop and smell the roses for instance and that's like not necessarily a a new a new phenomenon but it's now backed by science right? right that the people who are able to more not just appreciate their lives but also take the wisdom that they learned in that journey and try to apply it to making other people's lives better and helping other people achieve the same success that they've achieved. Those are the, and like putting their efforts toward cultivating, not just their own personal achievement, but everyone in their community. Those are the people that ultimately end up being happy. So Ray yeah. Fine should have just written a book. You're right. Truly. <laughs> um, well, and then you kind of see that corrupted though, right? Like the ways in which we don't actually some, like sometimes the most successful people don't actually, end up doing that like hand down the ladder to help other people up right, right. with his sous chef or sous chef is that the yeah one? Jer- jeremy yeah. yeah no the yeah. the one that did that killed himself the he one was that shot a, himself in the head. yeah he was a cook yeah. yeah yeah i thought he was a yeah i think he right? said he was a, he was a sous chef and then so he also sorry. called the woman later his sous chef so i don't know if he had he had two sous chefs or if she got promoted in that instant uh, uh I, I don't know that could be i don't know but yeah. Um, but like, I thought it was so interesting because he's. T- I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but this was like really exciting to me. I thought it was so interesting because he specifically like starts asking him like, "All you've ever wanted to be is me, mm-hmm. right? Up until and, and like you've wor- like sacrificed everything about the everything that made your life meaningful other than your work for this, mm-hmm. right? Was it worth it?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> And they goes, do you still want to be me? And he goes, no. And I thought that, that was like, that's the point. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Like we're, you're on this treadmill of like trying to achieve notoriety, acclaim, um, success, uh, accolades. And like, is it actually the thing that's going to make your life fulfilling and happy? Like, or have we all just bought into this capitalistic hellscape nonsense? Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I just, I think, I mean, and certainly like those things are important, like, you know, six personal success and like your goals are important. But like you said, this podcast brings you joy. Is it like, you know, and, and are, are you, do you have millions and millions of listeners? Not necessarily just, just yet. Just Jagger. No. Not just McJagger, <laughs> but like what a what a person that's listening. And like you bring you bring your listeners joy and you bring yourselves joy doing this. And so it's like, so what does it matter? You could obsessively look at other podcast listener count and go like my podcast like I like I've certainly been guilty of this and go like, well, what have I even accomplished if like I have I haven't reached hundreds of thousands of listeners? Mm-hmm. And then you just go, Oh cool so i'm just gonna take the fun out of the thing that brings me joy right because there's always somebody to compare yourself to and feel lesser than right yeah yeah um so this guy's like so accomplished and like he realizes his dream is not something that he even wants yeah and but like his own mentor who he like modeled his whole life after is unhappy yeah. So I just thought that was such a cool part of the movie. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I, you know, and I've thought about, especially as somebody who's historically been on Twitter, probably more than any other social media platform, <laughs> you look at these 
quote unquote, you know, some of the most successful people in the world, or at least the wealthiest, these billionaires who are behaving like children. And of course, you know, you you want to like armchair psychoanalyze somebody you've never even met, but like, but when these people are behaving in such childish, like ridiculous ways, obviously chasing something, right? They're seeking something and they're not finding it, whatever it is. And I don't know. Yeah. it's, It's just, pretty obvious to me when you take a look around and and on one hand you're like yeah so obviously you know it's been said it's a cliche money's money doesn't buy happiness or whatever um but then on the other hand at the same time it's hard to feel bad for for you know you're like shut up quit whining you're the richest person on the planet jesus fucking suck it up you know (laughs) yeah but then you hear about these people who win the lottery right Mm -hmm. and they their lives go to shit yeah like their lives go to shit after they win the lottery. And I, you know, I, I get interested in the idea of like the more fame and notoriety and wealth that you have at a certain point, it starts to corrupt you. It just inevitably does. Right. Like it takes a really strong person to not let that like mess them up a little bit. I think, cause I, I don't know how you don't let that. I mean, yeah, and especially to uh, you know to in the in the case of billionaires and people who you know if we correlate wealth with success as we often do in the society, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, you know, to get on my dirty commie soapbox, like you can't you can't be a billionaire, you can't hoard that much wealth without it being at the expense of other people. Like there's there's no way you cannot have that much. You can't have that much sway over that many resources and not whether you realize it or not, whether it's intentional or not, like you're a terrible person uh, because <laughs> it's so true. And it may not even be intentional, but, but you, what you have and who you are is detrimental to millions of people, you know? So, well, yeah. And then they get so hero worshiped by people because they yeah. have like one capitalism. Yeah. Right. To get, to join you on the coffee soapbox. Um, they like, they're like, we, these people have won capitalism and I too may right. win capitalism Lo- someday. And I'm like, the likelihood that you are be- going to be as wealthy as those people is almost zero. Yeah. Like, you know, almost you know what, you know what they are? All those, those billionaire fanboys, they're a bunch of Nicholas Holtz, right? Like that's who they are. They're a bunch of Tyler's. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are a hundred percent that because like I too might have the, like all of these things that might. That's really Let, good. Yeah, that's a really good read. <laughs> that's really good. That might get make me this, right. right? And, you know, so then they're like, oh, so I'm going to, you know, vote and act according to my potential billionaire and status here someday. Comes Tyler's right. bullshit. Right, exactly. Here comes but it, Tyler's yeah. bullshit because your dad was, didn't own an emerald mine. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. If you actually put him in the kitchen, man, just flounder, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have it, babe. None, no. Most of us don't. Yeah. And like, and kind of thank God, because it, it's not a happy, like, it doesn't look like a happy life. Like the things they tweet, the things they say, their personal lives are a mess, mm-hmm. right? Like most, you know, you look at most celebrities, personal lives and you're like many divorces, many like right. issues. You're, um, you're, you're naming you, your kids math equations, you know, like. You know, you look at these child stars and what happens to them. I mean, and they get totally 
uh, Christy Carlson Romano, who was ran on Even Stevens, choosing Kim Possible and stuff. She has a podcast right now. Um, I don't remember what it's called, but she talks uh, to former like Disney child stars and things like that about their experiences. And just being that young mm-hmm. and that successful and having that much money and people who don't want to say no to you because you're the talent, you're the yeah. star, you're the special snowflake that got plucked from obscurity and are paying off your parents' house. I mean, it's just awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you think about like as a kid, how you like looked up to them and you kind of go, oh, they were all completely <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Well, and that's for kids. And yeah. And there's, I mean, there are countless examples of that, but it, it, that just made me think of, and Shia LaBeouf is his own bag of problems. Right. But like, but, <laughs> but that movie he did where he essentially played his dad, a version of his dad in like a, that is like a, not a, it wasn't a biopic, but it was like, I forget the name of the movie, but um, what was it, Brent? Did you know? Transformers. Trans- <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. God damn it, Brent. Was it, it wasn't Honey Boy, was it? It was Honey Boy. Yeah, Honey Boy. Yeah. But he's, but so he's essentially playing his own dad. And he's like, uh, at one point he's like, do you know, do you know how humiliating it is to have your son paying your bills? You know? Yeah. I, I think that so many people look at that life and, and want it and they don't realize that that's not, they've been fed this like, again this commie soapbox but (laughs) but they've been fed these lies that that is what will make you happy that that these are people to aspire to be and then you watch a movie like it's a wonderful life and you realize that like that that movie i feel like means more to me the older that i get and the more that i grapple with these questions of like what success is because it's like oh yeah uh he is like a pillar in his community and Mm -hmm. isn't that enough right like, isn't that a what life worth living too? Like, right. the, the world does need ditch diggers too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and and what you were saying about the the professor of happiness, and I feel like anytime I read any scientific backed study on happiness and how to be happy and and you know meaning and all that, it always and I'm I'm not a practicing Buddhist. I I've read about Buddhism, but I have friends who are like Buddhists. I've Brent and I have a good friend who's, who's like a Buddhist monk with a temple in Japan. Um, but, but it, I I don't know. A lot of that always seems to like very closely, uh, match Buddhist teachings. Right. Which is just like, be present, be in the moment. Don't, you know, basically, uh, just the idea that, that desire is the root of suffering. Right. Like just, yeah yeah and that the joy of like creating art is the joy in the creation itself not in what the creation could bring you right yeah which is why which is why i love improv so much you know yeah and And, you know just like food improv is ephemeral right you never get it back once it's out yeah um so it feels like this um now i feel like i gotta go do improv again but (laughs) (laughs) it feels like this community building experience that you'll never have again. It's this one moment that yeah. you get to to be. And if you in improv are like, I'm going to make the audience laugh. I mean, Corey, what happens when you try to make them laugh? Right. Oh, yeah. No, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah, it falls apart instantly. The minute you start thinking about like what you'll do to the audience, I mm-hmm. feel like when you stay out, you get out of the moment and suddenly you're not funny anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, yeah. I, and I feel like, 
you and I were in a particularly interesting situation where we were having it pounded into our heads by somebody, and I, we won't say who, like that good is the enemy of great. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've it's taken me a while as an artist to kind of like unlearn that message and go, good is also right. totally acceptable. <laughs> right. And if you are happy with it, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Like that is also just fine. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't thought about that phrase burger. in a while, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I feel like I feel like I heard that message at like the exact wrong moment, and it like stayed with me for a minute. Yeah, and I had to unlearn it because I was like, perfection is actually also an enemy to to making art. Right, like trying to reach perfect because it's unattain it's unattainable. Right, it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and anytime, anytime we talk about perfection, uh, I always, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but there's a, uh, I think it's on a, uh, it's a Quasimodo album, right? There's this artist named Madlib. He does, he, he does, uh, raps as Quasimodo sometimes, but there's a track where he's talking about perfection and he was like, yesterday belongs to the dead. Tomorrow belongs to the living. The past is certified as a finished product. Anything which is ended is finished. That which is perfect is finished. The perfect man is no exception to the rule. The perfect man of the past is made according to the rule of the past. The rule of the past is a law of injustice and hypocrisy. The revelation of the meaning of the law is revealed through the law itself. Basically, the thought that if something's perfect and it's completed, then it's done and it's ended and it's basically dead and kind of tying like perfection to death, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, like the things you create, aren't they just kind of like a living, breathing thing? Like they're never really like perfect, are they? Like they're never really done. Yeah. It's just kind of like you decide when you are finished working on it. Yeah. But. <laughs> Sorry, we have a new dog. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it's okay. um, he's very sweet, but he's very young. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think all of that's so interesting, and like the fact that a that a horror satire can make like you think about so many different angles and aspects, of, um, and just like the corrupting power of of success too mm-hmm. like how the other sous chef i guess the promoted sous chef starts talking about how like he was essentially trying to coerce her into sleeping with him by you know giving her fewer opportunities something that all women fear and know too well mm-hmm. um the uh or many women i shouldn't speak for all women but a lot of them right. know know this game right that somebody might decide to try and utilize their position against you and you have to like figure out uh, what to do in that situation. Uh, and the, and either way you're the villain, right? Because right. if you participate in what they want, then everybody's like, what a horror. Right? Right. And if you don't, then you're blacklisted. Right. So there's no winning that game. No. Uh, and you're just like, well, We'll, we'll see how this goes. So um, I, I thought that, that was also really interesting that this person who I think would like seems to really have a very high view of themselves. We also had this moment of like, this is how they have let fame really come into their yeah. heads. 
Yeah, and and, 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 and a shit person. Yeah, and in that moment, like he's atoning for that. But even just his whole like, I like that he recognizes how complicit he is in the whole system, and even yeah. like the fact that he's trapped in this situation. It's also to some extent a self-made situation, and uh, uh, where I completely lost my train of thought. There. <laughs> but I, but yeah, yeah. I, no, no just, I think I, you're on the right track. I yeah. think you're a hundred percent right, though. Oh, that he's yeah. like he's just as complicit in the system that he claims like stole his joy and that he loathes so much as everyone else is. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I remember what I was going to say now, but I like that, you know, and we've talked before about movies being empathy machines, right? When you can really, because if you heard on the news that a chef brought a bunch of people to an island and then burned them all alive, you'd be like, whoa, what a fucking nut job! Like, fuck that guy. You know, but through the the magic of film, we can get into his head and we're like, and to some extent you sympathize with him and you're like, yeah, I fucking hate those guys too. I'm kind of glad they got burned alive. You know? Um, Yeah. I was was totally on his side. Were we not supposed to be on his side? I think it's it's both. I think you're, I think at least for me, I I was both on his side and also like, like I, I was like, I get where you're coming from. Also, you're a homicidal psychopath. But I get it. But I get it, you know? He could have printed, Uh, like, like, like so much worse stuff on those tortillas than what they got. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I was curious what was being implied by the whole Anya Taylor-Joy, that guy who got his finger cut off thing with the daughter. Because, like, clearly the daughter's dead, right? Like, his daughter is dead, um, I think. Or estranged. Or estranged. Yeah, yeah. estranged in some way. Uh, I guess that also is a possibility. Because I, I read it as the daughter was completely out of their lives and didn't like them at all. And I read it as she killed herself. That could work too. But oh, yeah. I was also reading it as the old guy was, you know, molesting her. So, like, because I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, there was a lot to be. play with with that where I was like, what's going on with that old guy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like he was a messed up guy let's be real yeah well and then and at first and and i, I did enjoy the reveal of like because at first you think they're dating or i did I, you know you think nicholas holt and anya taylor joy are dating and then it's like slowly revealed and then you, i think he talked he calls her a service worker and at first i was like oh she also worked in restaurants <laughs> But then, well, yeah. but then very I think quickly, they did that on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you're like, oh no, she's a sex worker. That's you know, different kind of service. Yeah, diff- very different to kind of service. Watch it and rewatch the beginning when it's them like the like the boat dock. Did you did you go back and re- I wanted to rewatch it. I saw I, it a while ago. Yeah, and but I, I I like what I call ADD watched it yesterday. Like <laughs> I, I'm on my laptop hitting the 10 second button and <laughs> flipping through things to see some stuff. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was very apparent. I yeah. see. I, I yeah. didn't have time, but I want to go back and rewatch at least the beginning for that. Yeah. Yeah. Every time he corrected her about eating, I was like, I hope you die first. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every time he said when anything, I was like, again, I like, hate oh, he's that. just paying for this. Like, this is like well, the service he's wanting from her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he when says, he forgets her name at the dock, I was like, what's going on there? Yeah. One of the, I, I knew a couple of things about the movie going in because TikTok, and the, the two things I knew were unfortunately that she orders a cheeseburger okay. and, and that she was an escort. Mm-hmm. So I knew that going in. 
Oh, that's, that's two really big reviews. I, I know, that's I unfortunate. Like, what the fuck, TikTok? I didn't know either of those things. No. And I was confused for like half the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like in a good way, though. Yeah. I was really confused for most of the movie. And then like once everything tied together, I was like, that was a really good confusion. Yeah, yeah. Um, the worth, worth being confused for yeah. a while. Well, and, yeah. and I, I liked how they, because there were a couple points where like with the chef, because I kind of knew what it was about going in, just that it was about some some wild horror shit goes down at this restaurant. That's about all I knew. But I was like, how are they going to give the chef realistic motivation? Like, what's it about? Why is he doing this? And I yeah. think I think they did it in a way where I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but then the same thing with Nicholas Holt's uh, character. They were kind of pushing my my suspension of disbelief when people were getting murdered around him, and he's just like, mm, just tasting the food completely. And I was like, okay, this is kind of pushing. But then it's revealed that he knew from the beginning that everyone was gonna die. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know. They almost. They were almost exactly yeah, was, yeah. for me too. They were almost crossing the line where I was like, all right, well, okay, like, why like, is this really? guy? Yeah. There's no way you you like, you know. I'm trying to think who my hero would be that would be remotely the same. Cause I, I always am like cautious about idolizing people. Cause I feel like every time I idolize somebody, then they come out and then we find out that they're terrible. Right. So yeah. I'm now I'm like a little too jaded. Yeah. For no, that, but no heroes. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm against the idea of heroes. No, except <laughs> for Mick Jagger. Yeah. We can't, we can't make him upset, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who it would be, but I feel like, uh, if they like sh- shot somebody in front of me, or like if they cut somebody's hand off in front of me, or whatever, or finger, I I immediately be like, I'm living, right? And I'm leaving. <laughs> and then, yeah, I thought the reveal that he knew the whole time, and then coupled with the fact that he like knew Anya Taylor Joy was Margot was going to die, yeah, and paid for her to come anyway, um, was great yeah like, just right? really is great one? sorry to come sorry to bowl over you no please is he also the one that when it's like that weird like chase scene that hunt scene he's also the one that just stays behind right yeah yeah he's like yeah what's the, what's the <laughs> well, yeah because he, he doesn't want to escape he wants to be there right <laughs> <laughs> he's all in. He's, he's the stan he's the stalker fan yeah. where it's yeah. like you know those people where <laughs> i swear to god there are some celebrities where like they could like kill someone on live TV and there'd still be people trying to like nuance it in the comments. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a very famous example uh, of someone who was in the highest office of government in the United States declared that he could shoot someone in the middle of the street and not lose any supporters, you know? So I don't think that's untrue to be I, honest. I think he's absolutely right. <laughs> I don't think he's wrong. I yeah. like, and and I feel like there are so many people, and this is what's wild to me. And I guess, I guess, I I, I don't understand how you could be so into. I guess it's that parasocial relationship thing, right? Where you're like, oh, you almost feel like you know them, right. and that they must care about you because you care about them, right? And all this stuff where, like, all of a sudden, you formulate your identity so firmly around someone else that, like you have so much stake in the game of them being like this perfect infallible person that like your identity is at stake. If they, if you admit that they're bad people. Yeah. Right. Or or have even done a bad thing, you know? I mean, like, 
there's so many examples of people who do these unbelievably terrible things. And this is why, like, when people talk about cancel culture, I'm like, what cancel culture? They're, like, down for five minutes, and then all of a sudden they have a comeback tour. Right. That's the thing. I, and I, I, I still can't think of, and I've asked people, of like, okay, cancel culture, sure. But who? Like, I can't think, like, Bill Cosby deserved it. Like, Louis C.K.? I, that yeah, he he got he got what he was coming to you know, and, the, and he's still and doing he's still he's doing, doing, still doing tours. tours exactly. He's yeah. still and like the only, the only thing I've had the only person that's that I can even think is maybe close to is Al Franken, right? When there was that that pic okay. that picture yeah. of him, yeah, he wasn't groping. He was like pretending to. He thought he was being funny or whatever, and which is terrible, which is a shitty yeah. thing to do to somebody, but you know. He was a decent senator, and and the fact that he got, you know, which which I'm not, I I don't, I honestly don't have an opinion of whether that was a good, but but that's the yeah. close, that's the closest thing I could think of to maybe an unjust, but yeah, I don't I don't know who has been canceled, who didn't deserve to be canceled, you know. Yeah, and my thing is like people who say that women do it for attention or whatever, um, or fame. Mm-hmm. I'm like, name one person that came out against Bill Cosby. Name one person's actual name. Right. Like, and most people can't. And I'm like, so what fame? Right. Yeah. And, and even like, <laughs> and I can't name her off the top of my head, but there was somebody who, uh, whoever came out again, who, well, I can't remember the S- Supreme Court justice's name either. That one Could of the, any one Brett, of them. Brett Kavanaugh? Or Kavanaugh, Clarence Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh. Because like, <laughs> both are true. Right. Yeah. But like, I could probably summon up her name if I thought about it, but what what does she gain from that like she um, it's been terrible for her right like that's yeah, that's it's been that. ter- people are people are freaking awful to women who come forward yeah you would have to be truly like so wonk wonky that I, I i feel like you would be a cartoon villain i mean you know and certainly like false claims happen but i'm like you know but like it's it's so rare that i'm like it and to do it on that public a, a scale with so much hate that comes your way from people, again, who have this parasocial relationships with these people who right. don't care about them at all like, <laughs> right. and will defend them with their dying breaths, like, you know, truly, um, that, you know, then you see this Nick, Nick Holtz character and you're like, oh, yeah, no, that that totally is a person that would exist to be like, I want to die with my hero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The chance to die with my hero is so great that I'm going to look at this other human being as a means to an end to my yeah. like grand like exit with this person. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, and I, I, I think about it like it's been so long that we, that victims of, of any kind of abuse or, or impropriety have had, you know, and even, you know, things are maybe a little bit better, but still not. But it's been so long since they've had, since victims of any kind of anything like that have had any way to come forward or have anybody listen to them, have any consequences. Like, I would rather live in a world where we listen and take that seriously and like maybe get it wrong every once in a while, you know, like maybe somebody's falsely accused or whatever, but that's going to be the minority of the time, like almost never. And I would, I would rather live in a world where victims are listened to than one where we don't listen we don't listen to any of them 
because maybe one or two of them are lying or something, you know? Like Yeah, and I'm like, and if you look at the statistics, it's so unlikely. Right. It's so unlikely that people are lying, especially if more than one, when more than one woman comes forward, especially, I'm like, right. yeah, it, the chances that both of them are lying, or like all of 27 women are lying, <laughs> is just, just impossible to me. Right. <laughs> like, and I, I think it sometimes, but I don't think people are that smart. To like yeah. benefit off of that and like keep up a lie, like I think it fucking happened. I think that dude did some awful shit oh, yeah. <laughs> for a long fucking time. I mean, I, I mean, you mean that the guy who cried over beer didn't convince you of his innocence? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? <laughs> he didn't seem like the paragon of moral perfection to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, uh, I. And those freaking like frat bro turned tech startup guys. Oh, they were fun to watch. And what was amazing to me is the minute they started talking, I knew who they were. Like I just immediately, I was like, I have been uh, in the Viagra Triangle in Chicago enough Uh... to know the cadence of their voices. Even just like I didn't have to know what they were saying to be like. My hackles were up. Like, I was like, watch your drinks, ladies. Yeah. Like, these are the fucks. Like, I just, I was, I just instantly, and I think, you know, I like having worked at Second City as a box office gal, like the number of like bullshit from dudes like that right. who would walk in. I was just like, I, they played those guys so perfectly. Those yeah. actors, like I wanted to each of them to die a horrific death. I thought the fire was too easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the, the one thing I, I, I expected from the movie that I didn't get, and I'm okay with this, but that I expected was, I thought it was going to be like, we're going to kill individual people in individualized ways themed around food. Yeah. yeah. And then you we just kind of lit them all on fire, which was fine. Right. But, you know, yeah. I, I, I was watching a YouTube video about this movie, as I do before we come on the show. I try to, you know, get get other people's opinions and thoughts on it. And totally. to that effect, somebody described this as a, like the adult version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate yes. Factory. Oh, I love <laughs> that. I had that idea independently. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. That right. is, you that... should have shared. That's a really good observation. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That I did That's not so have That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great, yeah. Can I share with the people who I think are who? Yeah, oh, yes. please. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Brent's, Brent's actually put some thought into this. <laughs> um, well, it's obvious who Willy Wonka is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. And the cooks, the cooks are the Oompa Loompas, right? Absolutely. They got the yeah. clap. Absolutely. Saying, yes, yeah. chef, in like unison. And you totally debate me. This is, I'm not, this is not my Hilda no, Dime. I'm, totally I'm so, so stoked. John Leguizamo's Mike TV. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Which, he's, he's which actor, one was that? John oh. <gasps> oh my god, he's even on TV. Oh, right. <laughs> he's on TV. He's obsessed with TV. Yeah. Um, the critic lady, I think, is Violet Beauregard. Violet? Yeah, You're I would so agree. Yeah. Right. Just like, you know, consuming things. Mm-hmm. Coming out of her is just babble. We're eating the ocean. That's, you know, a lot of bullshit. Yeah. I thought, and okay, here's where I think you might, these are the two that you might, you might, uh, be a, anyway, Margot I think is Veruca Salt, and here's why. Huh. I'm not hungry. I want a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would debate it's the it's the tech bros. Yeah, the tech bros. Tech are, bros. Yeah. I would debate Margot Charlie. 
I think Margot's Charlie. Yeah. And I think I, Nick Holt's got to be Augustus Gloop. Am I wrong? I was going to say that the people who've been there 11 times and don't remember what they've eaten would be Augustus. Augustus. Oh, that fit. You know, I was, I was, I was going to point to the gluttony of the tech bros. Uh, but, but I, I think there's that, I think there's an argument to be made there too. I think that that maps on, I almost, yeah. I almost feel like that had to be in so that had to be in their mind as they're writing the screenplay, right? To some extent. Yeah. So okay. Wait. Think is Charlie? So, so that motherfucker. I think, I think, I think Margo's Charlie cause she, she doesn't get brutally destroyed. Yeah. So that yes. motherfucker, Grandpa Joe, is Nick Holt. Nick Holt <laughs> is Grandpa Joe. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who was in bed on his ass until finally, like he go, could get something he wanted, and then, yeah. he was like while his family's starving and suffering, and he's like, "Ah, Charlie's a means to an end for me. I'll volunteer." To You're go. fucking yeah, Nick Holt is Grandpa <laughs> Joe. Fucker, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's so it though. Rent. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a thought of some other random YouTuber, I guess. That's not... <laughs> taken by that. That's so cool. Yeah. It just goes to show that, like, there's seven stories in the world, but, like, if you do it in an interesting way, right. it's always fun. Like, you know, going back to the art thing, like, what is wrong with simplicity? And then just do we like, why do we feel like we have to reinvent a wheel that's not broken? Right. Like, we've been telling stories the same way since Aristotle. Like maybe maybe we've perfected that art form over the you know <laughs> thousands of years that we've been telling stories. We like we can just have fun in the toy shop at this point, right? Yeah, <laughs> just appreciate the the simple ingredients. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I bet that we were so taken with the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but grown up version. <laughs> And then yeah. they finish like getting molten chocolate poured down, their, pour it down their faces. That's true. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, there's something there for sure. <laughs> I guess there's I also thought of Margot there. as Charlie because like at the end, or uh, no, damn it. I think Margot's Charlie. I think you're right because at the end, she her glass elevator is that boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So off back to the to mainland. Yeah. And she rem- she realizes what's important. Everyone else is in it for themselves, and she realizes what's important. Yeah. That cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's, God, that cheeseburger looked so good. That, that was like the best looking cheeseburger. It did. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok there, Gus, about that's been a big thing on like social media, like how to recreate that cheeseburger. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. It that looked makes good. Sense. It did look good. That makes sense. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice that he like put the onion in the patty. Mm-hmm. Like he like toasted it on the oh and i was just kind of like oh that looks good as hell yeah it's good as hell <laughs> well this this also i i almost want john leguizamo to do like a third food movie did you guys see chef the movie chef he did no. with john favreau no. that, that's really good i i would recommend chef that's a really good movie um it's it's oh, okay. it's more, it's more about the love of cooking it's it's more it's not dark and satirical um sure but it's really good, and they did. And actually, based on that movie and learning to cook and and really making those dishes, that's from there. That's where uh, John, uh, sorry, John Favreau created the Chef Show. I think on Netflix, where he like he and and the chef like actually Roy make Choi. Roy Choi. Yeah, they make food, and it's pretty good. I recommend it. That's great. Cool. It's a good movie. That's so awesome. Have you seen? Uh, have you watched Jiro Dreams of Sushi? 
Yeah. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. No. This, this made me think of like a very twisted, dark version of Jiro. Yeah, because he, yeah, he makes the same just... sushi over and over again, trying to perfect it. What's this? We're like yeah. his arthritis on his knuckles is like the size of sushi rolls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's an old man creating. A is this a is this a real guy? Documentary. Yeah. It's, oh, it's wow. this guy in Japan who is considered. I. I this was. He it didn't was blow 10 anyone years old. I don't know. <laughs> Not if, yet. I don't know if he's still alive, but this guy own had runs a sushi restaurant in like a Japanese train station that has three Michelin stars and is widely considered to be one of the best places in the world. It is worth going to Japan just to eat at Jiro's place. Wow. And it's just this old dude. And the movie is about him and and him making sushi and his sons who also work for him. And, and to hear the sons talk about it, it's like they're training to be a fucking samurai or something. Like It's, it's, like, it's so intense. Yeah. 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 They take yeah. it so seriously. It's a great movie. It's really yeah. like there's there's this one one of the sous chefs or guys in training. All he does is make the egg sushi, and Gerald make him throw out or not not serve. You know, like two hundred of them because they're not perfect. Wow, that's yeah. Nuts. Which you know, on the one hand, let someone eat it, please. But on the other yeah. hand, yeah, like let's not waste it. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you uh, have four DUIs, but. I mean, he's working through it. <laughs> you know, they they should have a sushi place next door for all the reject sushi, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah they'll call it Euro's rejects. Yeah, yeah. Euro's nightmares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, that is a really good compare, like a good uh, companion piece. I feel like because it's such a reflection on like art and like that search for perfection and that uh, you know is the simplicity of like making the same thing over and over again and just like that working toward making it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really, yeah, it's a really interesting, I, I it's a really also, good compare, like a good companion for this. I well, also I like think to go down YouTube, um, YouTube street food rabbit holes. Mm. <laughs> oh. It's, like, it's like, like people making the exact same thing for years, you know, over mm. and over again. Yeah. And how good they get as them. And it's, I don't know. They just—it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that those people often, you know, sometimes those that street food is like some of the best food you've ever had. Like my yeah. favorite, some of my favorite tamales in Chicago were made by the tamale guy who just goes a cooler <laughs> from bar to bar at like three in the morning, and you just like buy as many oh, tamales so from them good. as possible. They were so good. So good. <laughs> and I'm like, because it was three a.m. and I was. Blasted or not? Yeah, but oh so my good. god, yeah. unbelievable! I would spend my nights like hoping that guy would show up at the bar that we were at, because yeah. and I would always buy from him, and I and he became like a Chicago institution, <laughs> but like he was at the end of the day just a guy like selling food out of a cooler, right? You know, um, versus like I've had tamales at like really great restaurants where I'm like they don't compare to the Somali guy, <laughs> right? They're nowhere near. They're not. Well, it's it's not made with the same love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, hey, uh, Gus and Allie, I want to let you guys get going, and I know Brin's got kids to put to bed soon. Um, yeah. But was there anything else about this movie we didn't touch on? You want to cover before we get going, or are you ready to dive into head cannons? A... I mean, I feel like we could talk about this for for so for so long. Yeah. I, loved it. I, I, I really I thought it. Was, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it defied my 
lack of expectations, and I loved it. It was wonderful, and it, it also kind of reminded me of Nope a little bit in being oh, about, I haven't seen that yeah. about art. Oh, watch is good. I loved the. Oh yeah, you definitely should watch Nope. But I loved the um the ch- that he was giving her a choice mm-hmm. between whether he was going to be with the takers or the givers. Yes, because I yeah. think yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think everybody would be like, well we all want to be with the the takers at the end of the day, right? Like that's the capitalistic ideal, right? Is that one day you're, you're a taker um, and not, you know, in the service industry or what have you. I mean, I don't think, you know, I think that that's, that's what people dream about um, at the end of the day. But I think, um, you know, there was a part of me that was like, I mean, I feel like they're going to have a worse death than the kitchen people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and somewhat, somewhat, paradoxically maybe i think people would most people want to be a taker but probably would not want to identify as a taker right exactly. well nowadays right like i feel like in the 80s and stuff it was like really cool to be rich and like you know they were the good guys in the movie right. and all that stuff and now it's like such a, a cultural shift that now i feel like even if you are wealthy you're like i mean my parents have like a small second house like you would you right. would downplay that because it right. would be so uncool of you to be wealthy right so like well, yeah, I feel like most people now would be like, I mean, we're not that rich. We're not rich, rich. yeah. Well, no, and and I and you so, can only hear the groundskeepers like twice a week. Yeah, I'm still down to earth. Yeah, like I've gone to Trader Joe's. Right. Well, and and somebody was talking about how like almost every culture throughout history, like their their mythology, their stories, like the way they think about things, there's some sort of like uh uh. I don't know, veneration, is that the word I'm looking for? Some kind of like, uh, you know, you, appreci- you appreciate the poor, right? For And, and you, you, you know, you honor them and you recognize that you, you empathize with them, right? And, and American culture is somewhat unique in that is like just abject hatred of the poor. You know? Yeah, yeah the, those lazy, like... Those lazy poor people, that's you the know, narrative. leeching yeah. off society like that's it's like the, no, no, and, no, no, guys, and they no. view those and like the the viewing of them as disposable, just as Nick right. Holt's character views Margot and doesn't bother Aaron to learn anybody's name disposable. Mm-hmm. in the kitchen and yeah. doesn't yes and doesn't bother to ask. Notice he didn't ask his name. Oh well, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, he just like waves it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah the person that's making the food that you're so psyched about eating right you're not even gonna bother to learn that guy's name right the sous chef at the restaurant (laughs) the sous chef no less (laughs) next week we're going to be covering the 1990 movie misery which my daughter loved didn't you bella didn't you love that movie yeah yeah tell him you loved it i loved it tell him how much you loved it i loved it so much you love it so much i'm losing my voice anyway be sure to check that out before next week and as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Headcanon Pod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash Horror Movie Pod. Does somebody want to jump in with a headcanon, or I could go first? Doesn't matter to me how we do it. You definitely go first. Yeah. Go okay. First. Okay. All right then. <laughs> well, uh, just in the, I like the scene where they. You see somebody carrying angel wings outside and you're like, what? Like, what is that going on there? What's that for? And it's 
you come to find out it's for his angel investor, right? That keeps him going. Oh uh, yeah. I didn't even which, catch that word flag. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I like. That's so funny. But I like to imagine there's like a school of sharks, like swimming around and maybe one shark who's like starting to question the meaning of life. And like, what is, is this, you know, is this really what it's all about? Like swimming around, eating stuff, you know, whatever. And then from above descends this like celestial being with these, with these angel wings <laughs> on and I like to believe that there's now like a pocket of Christianity of Christian sharks who were converted uh, as after that guy was dunked in the ocean there. Yeah. That's my head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> who would it be the people who would witness that? that? It would be like these other, they have like a golf course in their backyard. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I've, I've got one. Yeah, yeah, uh, let's hear it. So we saw what's behind the fancy door in the cabin. We never saw what's behind the fancy door Ooh. in the kitchen. And I choose to believe there's there's like a bunch of sliders that he made a long time ago that he's like encased in resin. Like cubes of resin. Yeah. He just goes in there sometimes. He just looks at the burgers and he sits there and remembers when he was happy. Yeah. He comes back out and he makes like foamed cheeseburger and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. I, and I like when she found that that plaque or whatever that with the picture of him uh, back when he was happy. And, and like at that moment I knew, I was like, oh, he like she's going to, I don't know if I pegged that she was going to like ask for a cheeseburger, but I was like, oh, she's going to take him back to like when he was happy, right? When it meant something to him. But... Mm. but how about you, Allie? Do you have one? Or Brent, you want to go? I, okay. I guess, I guess this, this is me happy ending. So the daughter has left her like fucked up parents. Yeah. Right. Uh, she and Anya Taylor Joy meet up. Right. Nice. Somehow. Cause they look alike. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the rest of their lives, they have a lot of fun playing like a sister, sister kind of act. <laughs> Nice. Like switching places, and making, like, getting double into hijinks. You know, I would, I would love that as a weird sequel. Like, can you imagine if they made a sequel to this movie and it's just that, like a switcheroo comedy? Yeah. <laughs> One's still a sex switcher. worker. <laughs> What's the opposite of a sex worker? What would be? The... I don't even Probably know. One of the a dogs. mortician. A, a like, priest. A priest. A nun. A priest. One of them, and they switch places. <laughs> <laughs> One of them doesn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's the sex worker that doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I think uh, that that's my headcanon. Yeah, I like it. I dig it. Brent, what you got? I reimagined the ending a little bit. Mm-hmm. In the ending that I thought of, the chef, he doesn't die. He then, because if you think about it, if he doesn't die, he could probably have enough money to like hush things over and like, you know, no one notices. Gas leak. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe everyone. Yeah. It, there was a gas leak and he survived. So he doesn't die and he moves into a new medium for entertainment to, to, to um, spread his love for food. Uh, Slowick get, um, he's, he starts a podcast, right? He starts to get death threats from his cooking podcast. So he has to change his name. His uh, his viewership quickly ends as they all die telling people they listen to their favorite chef, Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I, yeah, we got to we got to have a Voldemort oh reference in there. <laughs> yeah, we had to. Yeah. I also uh, last 
like thing I cackled when he was like what school did you go to to the assistant and she goes brown and he was like did you have oh, student loans and she said no and then he goes i'm sorry dear you're dying you're di- yeah thank, th- thank you yeah thank you for bringing that up because i i i, I meant to bring that up to too yeah that's that was hilarious just, that was a highlight moment for me for sure yeah it was like that and uh tyler's bullshit were the two like things where i'm like those will live in my head rent free as like storytelling moments. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was so good. <laughs> awesome. Well, Gus, Ali, thank you guys so much again. Uh, always a pleasure yeah. to have you on. Uh, thank you. So thank you for having us. us. This yeah. was pleasure. such a blast. Yeah. Good talking to you. Brent, you want to leave us with any words here? Just be excellent to each other. I made that up. <laughs> okay. Good. Awesome. <laughs> well, and thank you everyone at home for listening. This has been Head Cannon. Oh, please.